0: Listening to the Jets Nation podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to look at the last few games for the Jets. We're going to talk world juniors. We're also going to talk about the interesting topic of players playing hurt. And then we'll wrap up the show talking about Sammy Niku coming back to the lineup and his impact. <laughs> Alright, so on the first segment today, Kyle, we're going to look at the last few games for the Winnipeg Jets. Since our last podcast last week, we're going to get back into the regular rhythm now that we're into the new year, coming out of the Christmas break. Jets played the Leafs, they lost 6-3, they lost to the Wild 3-2 in overtime, and beat the Canadians 3-2 on Monday night. They play the Leafs again tonight. Let's look over these last few games. Any notes or anything you want to highlight?
1: Well, they're really interesting games for a lot of reasons, and each Each game was very different. Now, remembering back to that Leafs game a week ago, uh, the Maple Leafs scoring six goals in that game absolutely shredded the Jets' defense. Uh, There were all sorts of cross-seam passes, just really dangerous chances all over the ice uh, for Toronto. All game. Uh, Against Minnesota, the Jets did a much better job defending but couldn't get that done in overtime, and they were also much better defending against the Canadians, only allowing two goals uh, again in that game. So just kind of an up-and-down defensive ride for the Jets in the last week.
0: I thought it was kind of funny because on Thursday last week when we did our podcast, I remember talking about Connor Hellebuck and how I'd liked his play and how even though some people were kind of harping on him, I was trying to kind of stand up for Connor Hellebuck. And we both were for the most part. And then he goes and has that stinker against the Leafs. And I was watching that game and I watched the first two periods. I left for the third because I was so sick of it. I I put it on the radio so I could go and do something else. But I'd still keep up to date. All of a sudden, the Jets started scoring and started coming back in the game. But... It was one of those ones, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were greatly outshooting the Leafs. They were getting chances, and they actually looked not bad at times. It's just those two lousy goals in that first period, poor play from Connor Hellebuck, defense coughing up uh, pucks right in scoring areas, and then the Jets, they were in it for a good chunk of the game, just they were constantly having to play from behind, chasing the Maple Leafs. And then in the game against the Wild, I saw the tail end of that one. I was busy watching the Juniors game, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but I I was busy watching other games, and so I didn't get to see the whole thing, but the Jets come back, or the Jets were, correct me, where they were up 2-1, correct? And then the Wild tied it? Yeah. yeah. And so the Jets were actually playing good, and then you, you a lot of people talk about that game as the referees stole it from the Jets. Yes, maybe they did, but the penalty kill needs to be better. At least they got a single point, point. and then finally, everything coming together, they were out playing the Canadians, they looked good in that last one on Monday night.
1: Yeah, definitely. You mentioned uh, a few other games going on this weekend. The World Juniors wrapping up this weekend. A great bronze medal game uh, featuring both Winnipeg Jets prospects, Sweden playing Finland, and Team Canada taking home the gold against Russia. Just an absolutely great final to watch.
0: Now, let's go back to the semifinal on Saturday against Finland. I was kind of nervous going into that game, uh, playing Vili Hainala, uh, playing the Finns, who the Canada has struggled against in years past, I wasn't sure how they were going to do. They hadn't had any real competition other than those first two games against the States and against Russia. And we know how the Russia game went. They got blown out. They barely beat the States in a close game there. And so I was kind of interested to see, now that there had been some time since that Russian blowout game, would Canada be able to stand up under a little bit of adversity? And they did. They blew out Finland way more lopsided than I thought that one was going to be. And then in the gold medal game, what a finish. I think this is one Canadians are going to be talking about for quite some time.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a fun game to watch. And uh, like you said, definitely didn't expect that from the semifinal. But the the final, you just knew it was going to be close. Um, even though the uh, Team Canada lost big in the group stage against Russia, you knew it was not going to be a blowout one way or the other, just with these two teams being so competitive. And, and it was close all the way through uh, a one-goal game, only a two-goal game in the third period when Russia scores that. Uh, third goal of the game, to go up 3-1. but Then Canada comes storming back, a goal 38 seconds later, I believe. Another goal a few minutes later to tie the game. And then that game winner uh, from Akil Thomas, just a gorgeous move, winning the race to the puck, flipping it up over the pad on the backhand. And uh, just like that, Canada goes from down two to up one in in the final 10 minutes of the game. Just a great final to watch. Uh, just so much fun. And like you said, definitely going to be one to talk about for the year to come.
0: So now, Barrett Hayton, what are your thoughts on him as captain and just as the captain of Canada and scoring that goal to tie it, having the injury and just kind of playing through everything? Kind of coming into that game, I wasn't a big fan of his. Uh, Just with the whole helmet thing with the Russian National Anthem and just seeing him in some interviews, I just didn't get a great maybe of starting opening opinion of Barrett Hayton. And maybe that's unfair, but that was just... He wasn't my favorite Canadian captain from over the years. Maybe that was not right of me, but either way, that's just kind of my feeling. But then he scores that big goal. What are your opinions on Barrett Hayden after this whole tournament's done?
1: Well, the thing I kind of want to talk about is playing through injuries, and the media absolutely loves it when players are playing hurt. And I don't really follow the same opinion as most media in this regard because Honestly, playing hurt a lot of times is just playing dumb because that's how people get re-injured when they come back too soon from a previous injury. But let's just say like, it's not dead. the
0: it's not just the media. There's a lot of fans and guys I was talking to the next day who were saying, oh, wasn't that great? Playing through injury, the stories. Everybody's talking about it. It's not just the media hyping it up. The media says this is happening. And yeah, you're right. They do hype it up. But a lot of fans are on that bo- boat as well. But okay, carry on with your next point.
1: Right. No, so <clears throat> it happens, right? And, and people love to see that. I don't really know why. I mean, yeah, coming through adversity, that sort of thing. The interesting part and the, the things we're never going to know is if he's medically cleared to play, if it's a type of injury that likely wouldn't be re-injured, I don't have as much of a problem with it. But I just dislike how a lot of fans, just because a guy's playing hurt, thinks, oh, he's so so much better. He, he's he deserves so much more accolades and whatever after the game. Uh, thinking back to last year for the Jets, uh, Nikolai Ehlers playing hurt in the playoffs, and he looked bad. <laughs> just straight up, he did not look like the same player. And the Jets had a has had a, have had a few of those over the years. You can tell just something's not quite right with the player, yet he keeps playing. And what's wrong? Well, he was playing hurt for a couple months. He was playing hurt for two weeks. There's got to be, I think, a shift in the mindset of you don't need to play hurt. You should actually rest up, heal yourself, and come back 100% uh, in the next couple weeks. Take that time off that you need. I don't think players are, because of the media and the fans saying it's such a a cool thing to do playing hurt, I think that's one of the reasons why um, players don't want to take the time off when sometimes they should.
0: It's kind of an interesting conversation, and I didn't really expect the podcast to kind of shift this way, but I I think that now that we're here, we should definitely look at this more. And so where is the point then where helping your team outweighs the injury, the risk of re-aggravation, and if a player's play isn't going to drop off, yet he's still in pain, should he play, should he not play? You don't necessarily know right away whether or not he's going to be feeling the effects and you're going to notice it on the ice or not. Where's that balance, though? Because if a player can play, and we saw with Ehlers, he could play, he just can't play as well. So then, yeah, maybe sit out. But there's our, there are players who, they are hurt, they play, they have great efforts, they somehow dig deep, and they actually play better than they do normally. And then you find out later that they were actually hurt, Where do you draw that line and say, no, you need to come out of the lineup? Because the player wants to be there, especially in a short tournament when you know the gold medal's on the line. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Literally, knowing his age and knowing everything about him, there's no way—and I'm talking Barrett Hayton here— there's no way he can ever play in a gold medal game again at the World Juniors. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime, done deal. And so, if you're going to be a little bit hurt, and it's not life-threatening, and it's not going to hurt you further— why wouldn't you want to play if you're going to be better than that next option? And especially in Team Canada, you can't call anybody up better than the, the sitting out completely.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the the first line is, is there a, a higher chance of re-injury from playing? And for me, that's probably the biggest thing is if there is a chance. I mean, every injury, there's a chance to re-hurt it. But if that's a significant risk, I think that's got to be the number one deciding factor. Uh, It happens across all sports as well. I remember last year, uh, if if you're a basketball fan watching the NBA Finals, Kevin Durant missed a bunch of time throughout the playoffs. He was hurt. He comes back in the Finals. What happens his first game back when he gets into the lineup? He blows the exact same leg, and now he's out for a year. They said he was medically cleared to play, but was he actually? I'm not so sure when he essentially injured the same thing that was already hampering him. So there's all these sorts of things. For me, the risk of re-injury is number one. And then from there is if his play is not going to drop off, that's the other thing because like we've seen going back to a guy like Ehlers, you could tell he was just off, right? He hasn't scored a, a, a playoff goal. Most of that was because if he was, he'd been hurt for a couple playoff runs. But if would it be better to call somebody up in that regard to go into that spot I mean, that's a tough question, right? Is Nikolai Ehlers at 80% better than a replacement guy from the from the bench? Possibly. Maybe not. And that's where it gets really tough to make those decisions. So for me, it's risk of re-injury number one. And then the, the coach has to decide, essentially, is uh, 80% Ehlers better than the next guy up? Well,
0: and then the big thing, too, is the impact of the game. Is this the Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, or the NBA championships for that matter, like we just brought it in, or the gold medal game, where there's tons of time to heal afterwards, There's you don't get to this spot very often, the importance of the game, and the importance for that player to be in that moment. And then the other factor too, and we didn't really touch on this as well, is this kind of also goes back to the maintenance day conversation with Kawhi Leonard last season with the Toronto Raptors and other NBA players are doing this, and this is becoming a problem across the NBA. I don't know if we see this in hockey, just the way hockey players are wired and just the culture around hockey, I think, is different. But in theory, it makes a lot of sense. And we see this with goaltenders. You rest goaltenders. You don't play them every game. And so are we going to see this in the NHL? And what do you think of maintenance days in sports just in general?
1: Well, yeah, it's a tough thing to do because I totally understand if guys are banged up and hurting a little bit, giving them a game off is, is a huge rest. We, we see guys skipping game days, skates. We see guys potentially missing practices, all that sort of thing as maintenance days, they're calling it. But then they play in the games. So they're giving them as much time as they can, but still making them play all the time. For me, it comes down to, and I know this is an issue in the NBA as well, is just the sheer amount of games played. 82 games is a lot of games. Teams are playing the Winnipeg Jets right now and three games in four nights, you're going to have times where you're a little banged up and you need some rest, and you just can't get that in today's NHL. The interesting thing for me is guys like Ovechkin skipping the All-Star game just because they want a break instead of going to the All-Star game. That's another issue entirely, but you see players preferring to take time off than going to an All-Star game, and to me that speaks volumes, that these players need some more rest during the season, that a lot of these guys – We've seen it with the Winnipeg Jets. Last year, it was, what is wrong with Blake Wheeler? Or earlier this season, it was the same thing. What is wrong with Blake Wheeler? Likely, it was just a few underlying injury issues that he needed a couple games off. But he didn't really get it, and it went way too long, way more than it should have. So for me, that's kind of the, the issue, is I think there should be more days off, maybe less games in the schedule, all those sort of things. I think these guys need, need more rest. The only problem is, how do you do that?
0: Right now with the NHL schedule and the way that it works, like how do you legitimately do that? Like, I don't know if you can go down to less than 82 games, especially with the system they have now with how many times they play everybody and teams aren't going to want to lose out on that revenue. Let's be honest. The NHL's not going to want to lose out on that revenue.
1: Well, no, that's the issue. But if it becomes a thing where like essentially in the NBA guys are taking maintenance days and they've had to put rules in place for guys can't take maintenance days, certain things like that, because that also hurts revenue, right? If if you're a if you want to see Kawhi Leonard play, you're going down to Minneapolis when the Clippers are in town, because that's a big drawing card. But you hear Kawhi Leonard's not playing on this road trip. You know what? I'm probably not going down to Minneapolis to see a Kawhi Leonard-less Clippers play the Timberwolves.
0: Absolutely. So there's all
1: those sorts of considerations as well, right? And if if I'm um, if I'm going to go see a Jets game, I really want to see Sidney Crosby play. But Sidney Crosby taking a maintenance day. Am I really going to go to my way to buy Penguins tickets? No, not even close. So there's all those sorts of considerations. as Well, obviously, you're losing games is going to lose you much more revenue. But that's definitely a consideration if it ever gets to the point where guys are taking maintenance days in the NHL as well.
0: Here's a question. Just a crazy thought. What happens if we expanded the season a little bit longer time-wise? Like, right now, we have the season starting at the beginning of October. What happens if we started the season at the beginning of September? Same amount of games, same amount of everything. You just get an extra month to spread everything out more.
1: What do you think about that? I mean, you could definitely do that. There's many options. Like, that would work. It's like the start. Um, So
0: then it's like the start of the school year. That's when the NHL season starts. Because already how it is, we're already conflicting with the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs whatever, they're already conflicting with the NFL, the CFL, none of those sports, they're all kind of doing their own thing anyway, and so if the NBA and the NHL started a month earlier in September, kind of when kids go back to school, that's when you start the season, it's more spread out, there's more time in between games, it's more of kind of like a bigger thing, it's like, oh, you play Saturday night, or like, there. it makes them more of a spectacle on certain nights. And again, I think you'd have to go to a lot less of a schedule to make it more of a spectacle like the NFL, but I think it would combat some of those problems that they're seeing right now of maintenance days and of those kind of like bumps and bruises and guys taking time off. And so if you spread 82 games out over a month, you'd get a lot more delays, less of the double headers, the back-to-backs, that kind of thing. I don't know, maybe it would help improve the product on the ice. You're waiting, you don't have those back-to-back nights, and so... Fans want to go more if there's a little bit of a break in between games. Just a thought. We can call Gary, see if he can schedule it for next season, but we'll, uh, I guess, see how that goes. Anything else you want to mention on injuries and maintenance days and stuff like that?
1: Well, the last thing I do want to mention is a really interesting article coming out on The Athletic. It was a couple months ago now um, looking at what if the NHL did their schedule like the AHL, and the AHL does a ton of little mini-series, almost like baseball in the sense, where you go to a a team, you play them back-to-back in Winnipeg. You'd play in Winnipeg on Friday, Saturday. The Moose would go on the road. They would play three games straight in Texas, two games straight somewhere else, and they would do a lot of their season series like that because they're cutting travel costs. Um, They're cutting down the amount of time traveling, and it's a much more efficient schedule. The NHL kind of looked at that um, sort of the athletic looked at that, what would the NHL look like if you had that? And just really interesting exercise. Not really feasible given the amount of um, the things going on in the different arenas. It's hard to schedule things already enough as it is, especially in some of the bigger arenas used for multiple things. But just a really interesting exercise. What if the Winnipeg Jets visited Nashville once a year, you play three games and four nights against Nashville, and you don't have to go there again? And what if you did that for each team? You only go there once. I mean, it would cut down costs. It would cut down travel. It would cut down the compact schedule. It would be much more easy on the teams. Just a really interesting thing. I don't know if it would work, but something that should hopefully be looked at down the road.
0: See, honestly, I think it's kind of tougher on the body when you're doing schedules like that. And there are other leagues, especially a lot of the lower leagues, do things like that where you play back-to-back or you play three and four nights. It's just, it's tougher on guys. The quality of the product sometimes goes down by the time you get to that third or fourth game in a row
1: like what if you keep the schedule the same as it is condensed wise but just way less travel well they already do that like for the Winnipeg Jets well, when they go on a road trip the they go Winnipeg to Jets, on a four-game road trip right their first game's in Minneapolis so they go to Minneapolis then they come home and then they have to go out east so why why stick in a random game why, why do you have a random trip to Minneapolis I know it's not far but what about the home-and-home of St. Louis? So St. Louis flies all the way here. Both teams fly all the way back to St. Louis. That doesn't make sense. Winnipeg did that with Dallas earlier in December. Dallas flies here. Both teams fly back to Dallas for the next game. Winnipeg flies somewhere else after that. Like, it doesn't make any sense, especially those home-and-homes, flying both teams all the way from Winnipeg down to Texas. Like the, it, There's no sense in that, really. Well, well no, I understand. the travel.
0: I understand that kind of thing, but they already do road trips like they're on an eastern swing right now. You fly out to Montreal, you hop over to Toronto, and then you hop down to Boston, and then you're back in our time zone. And they already do that now when they go down to Florida. You go down, you go on a swing, you play those teams for the one time you see them all year. You go play Tampa, you play Florida, you play those teams kind of back-to-back, and then you head back up. To Winnipeg, So they kind of do that already. I don't think the NHL needs to worry about pinching pennies. They're not in a hard-pressed financial situation right now. And I understand wanting to combine your road trips together where it makes sense, and I'm definitely all for that. But I like the days in between. Back-to-back nights, fun as a fan, not so great as a player when you're playing two or three nights in a row or three and four. I think it's just too busy in my opinion. But I think we've kind of beat this dead horse now. I think we're done with this topic. Let's move on. We're going to take a look at Sammy Niku. All right, so in the final segment, looking quickly at the Winnipeg Jets lineup, and we haven't really got into much detail on that. We've talked a lot about sports injuries and things like that. And so Sammy Niku back in the lineup. Kyle, you happy about this? I think a lot of fans are.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, just search free Niku on any social media and you'll see how many fans are looking for him to get back in the lineup. Um, Definitely worth a look. I mean, we all know he has a an interesting and very intriguing skill set with his skating and passing and shooting ability. Um, playing on the third pairing with Anthony Botetto, uh against the Montreal Canadians use a little bit with Neil Pionk as well on the second pairing. Uh, we'll see if he gets more ice time. I think he is near the 12 minute mark uh, against Montreal, uh, but I would say a fairly successful debut for him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's got to go up and I know Kulikov returning to the lineup. Where do you think he slots in straight for Boteto?
1: Well, that's where it gets interesting. Is, is do you take Niku out now to put Kulakov in, or do you take Potato out? Um, do you even take Spiza out? I know Spiza has been in the, you could say, top four, but I haven't been super impressed with Spiza's game either. A lot of the underlying numbers actually say Potato is is outperforming what a lot of fans think he's doing. He's actually been not too bad according to some metrics. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. I would wager Potato comes out just to leave Niku in for a few games, just to give us time. So we'll have to wait and see. It looks like Kulikov should be a goal uh, tomorrow night against Boston.
0: I saw an interesting piece from Leah Hextall where she was talking about Niku and bringing him up into the lineup. And it was it was an interesting story because it kind of counteracted what a lot of fans have been saying on Twitter and social media. Why have they not put in Niku? What are they doing? The Jets, come on. And she basically just highlighted the fact that there's the long game in mind. The Jets are doing what's best for their franchise long-term. Let's not put this player who's battling injuries, who hasn't played a lot at the NHL level this season, let's not throw him into the fire right away from having that car accident injury starting the, before the season began, from having some injuries that he's battled with Manitoba Moose in and out of the lineup. Let's not rush him. Let's get him some time in the Moose, kind of get up to speed, and now, finally, he's here in the NHL. And so... I don't know what you think of that, but it to me, it just kind of gave some perspective from that side of things that, yeah, sometimes you do want to wait with injuries. You can't necessarily have him in the NHL right away when he's not a proven, experienced, multi-year vet of the NHL that maybe slowly going through the NH or the AHL first, not having to send a guy down who might not get cleared through waivers. There's a lot of factors in play, and when you're looking long-term, Maybe the Jets did make the right decision when or it's at least just that comes from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. The other thing is if uh, a lot of people were saying, well, Niku gives you the best chance to win. And I mean, I agree with that because of his skill set. But if you look at Niku's numbers last year, they were downright horrible. So looking at last year's defensemen, Niku actually finished last among all Jets defensemen in a number of different metrics. if You look at his expected goals, his course, see a lot of those numbers. Niku was in the low 40% range, meaning he was continually outshot. Uh, his team was continually outchanced with him on the ice. And you wouldn't really necessarily um, see it watching him because he's a smooth skating guy, makes a few good outlet passes. But there were a lot of times where he was hemmed in his own zone. A lot of fans forgetting that his numbers in the NHL are actually really, really bad up to this point. And that doesn't mean they won't change because I'm sure they will as he gets more experience. But as for who gives you the best chance to win now, maybe it's not Sammy Niku. And that's something that a lot of fans don't want to hear, but that might be true.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. When I look at fans on Twitter, they're talking advanced stats. It's the free Niku campaign. All they focus on is his skating, his puck handling, offensive defenseman. How is this guy not in? His AHL numbers are great offensively. And then you get guys on Facebook and guys I talk to, they say, oh, he's small. He doesn't defend very well on his own end. And then you look at some of the underlying metrics and they kind of support that side to a certain degree. And so it's just kind of interesting that I feel I feel like sometimes on this podcast, we are the voice of reason and the voice of balance between those two sides. You kind of get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Or at least that's what I try. At least that's what I try to do here on this show. I kind of lean a little bit more towards the old school and the eye test. You lean a little bit more towards the advanced numbers. I feel that when we can come together and kind of get this together, that's where we can get some of the the real answers here. And so Niku, though, I think needs to stay in the lineup. I think he's got more potential than a lot of the other guys, and I really want him to stay. I don't want to, to send down at all at this point.
1: Yeah, and there's no question that he, his potential is through the roof. Compared to a guy like Spisa, Boteto, those guys aren't going to change. You know what you're going to get. Niku still young enough uh, and has the raw physical tools there that he can definitely overtake those guys probably even this season. But but like like we mentioned before, as far as getting who is the best defender to win a game right now, and that's what Paul Maurice has to figure out, is which combination gives him the best chance to win every night.
0: Well, exactly, and so uh, just taking a look at Sami Niku and Kulikov and some of those guys coming in, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight as far as whether Kulikov can or can't play, and then again, back-to-back tomorrow, taking on the Boston Bruins, and so hopefully the Jets can uh, pick up some wins and get a little bit of revenge on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Connor Hellbuck going to need a good performance against the Leafs. Well, that pretty much does it for today's podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to mention, Kyle?
1: No, that's everything.
0: I know we were thinking about maybe getting to the Winnipeg Jets and what they were going to do at the trade deadline. Didn't get time for that on today's show, so we'll hopefully get to that over the next couple of weeks, and we'll have plenty of time as we get closer to the NHL's trade deadline. Well, that does it for us on this show. If there's anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.